Hello everyone, Joshua Gilliland here, one of the founding attorneys of The Legal Geeks. With me tonight is United States Magistrate Judge Stacy Beckerman from Portland, Oregon, and we're here to talk about some specific issues from Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Your Honor, how are you this evening? I am wonderful, thank you. How are you doing? Fantastic. We're getting ready for our Comic-Con panels, and we can now announce those. So why don't we do that first? Uh, Judge Beckerman, uh, along with uh, a, a fantastic lineup of attorneys, uh, will be doing a Godzilla-themed panel for the 65th anniversary at, uh, at Comic-Con on Saturday uh, at 7.30 p.m., Everyone, uh, if you're going to Comic-Con, please join us for Long Live the King of Kaiju. Uh, also, we have a panel on the Clone Wars, which is on Friday at 8 o'clock, and one on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is on Thursday at 1 p.m. at the brand new Comic-Con Museum. And so, super excited to go to that. So, Your Honor, you, you we were brainstorming ideas for a panel, and one that didn't make it into the panel, but we wanted to talk about was the Endangered Species Act uh, as it could relate to Titans. And could you just give us an overview of what the Endangered Species Act is, and then we can start getting into the, the monster issues. Sure. And Josh, I don't know if you know this about me, but before I became a magistrate judge, I was a federal prosecutor, including a prosecutor of wildlife crime. So I have actually been involved in prosecutions of the Endangered Species Act. So I would not call myself an expert, but I have uh, been in court talking a lot about the Endangered Species Act. Uh, it, it does protect species who are in danger of extinction throughout all or a significant part of its range. It prohibits the taking of any threatened or endangered species that is on a list that's primarily maintained by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Commission. Excellent. I did not know that tidbit. I knew you were a federal prosecutor, but I didn't know about the Endangered Species Act. Well, True story. Uh, awesome. Well, to, to pivot to why this is relevant to us, you know, in, in the movie King of the Monsters, there's that Senate hearing, and you know, the uh, chair of, of the committee makes clear that the government wants to know where the kaiju are so they can kill the kaiju. That that could raise some problems um, because first, do you think the Titans could qualify as endangered species under the Endangered Species Act? And we could just say the ones in the United States that since there were a few in the U.S. in the film. You know, I think there's little dispute that uh, the Titans um, are in danger of extinction. There's very few of them. If you look at this, the species titans or the subspecies, they're all a little bit different. I think they would all qualify for listing. And with respect to what Congress proposed, the Endangered Species Act prohibits the taking of any endangered or threatened species, which includes killing them, which includes, although not addressed specifically in the statute, zapping them with an oxygen destroyer. Yes, because that would be kind of big. Now, uh, an overkill. But if we think about, uh, you know, people going to the woods and like a bear attacks them and, you know, it might be a black bear that's an endangered species, you know, are there exceptions under, you know, the Endangered Species Act for self-defense? There are. And, um, you know, back to your first question, could these titans be listed? 
you know, it doesn't matter if they're dangerous and scary. I mean, we still protect dangerous and scary animals under the Endangered Species Act, including sharks and snakes and, and that type of thing. So the fact that it's scary doesn't mean that it's not worthy of protection. Um, but the, so the question is, we're, we're protecting these scary and dangerous animals. What happens if they attack somebody? And as originally drafted, the Endangered Species Act did not include a self-defense clause. But in the late 70s, there was an elderly couple who was prosecuted for killing a grizzly bear that threatened them. Pause for a moment and think about that. Yes, there was a prosecutor who thought it would be a good idea to charge an elderly couple with violating the Endangered Species Act for um, killing a grizzly bear, for attacking them. Um, so the Endangered Species Act was amended to include a self-defense clause. What it says is that it shall be a defense to a prosecution if the defendant committed the offense based on a good faith belief that he or she had to protect himself or a family member or any other person from bodily harm. So there is now a self-defense clause in the Endangered Species Act. Our very own Ninth Circuit has interpreted that um, to mean a, a good faith belief, to mean a subjective good faith belief rather than objective good faith belief. So we ask, um, does the person um, reasonably believe they're in danger, um, not whether a reasonable person would believe that they're in danger. So let's take a couple spins with this. So let's say that there was a uh, multiple bear attacks and you know, specific species like grizzly or black bears that, you know, people go out, they try riding bears, they do stupid things, or bears just start going into town and attacking people. Uh, you know, to, to try to spin the self-defense clause to say like, hey, when the bears are hibernating, that's when we'll go and put them down. You see problems with that. Some courts have interpreted the self-defense clause to include only um, self-defense if you're in imminent or immediate danger of bodily harm. So um, in your example, if someone's hibernating um, or is frozen in ice or otherwise um, inaccessible, um, they, they're not creating a risk of imminent or immediate danger. So arguably, um, it would not apply. It's, it, there's really no comparison to any um, strange beasts in our animal kingdom because we don't really have um, animals who are, you know, out, out to get human beings, right? So um, the most apt comparison perhaps is, is maybe like a serial killer. Can you kill a serial killer who's sleeping and call it self-defense? Probably not. No, because that tends to skip the entire due process thing we care about uh, and what we're known for as a nation. So uh, it, it gets really problematic. And which is like when I was digging into these cases, I, I saw, you know, like a couple of the bear ones. And so like the exception didn't apply to was it like marine life. So like, you know, there isn't one for, you know, exception for sharks. You know, it's like, I mean, it should go, you know, don't try riding the shark. Don't swim with the shark. Don't don't like poke the shark and hope everything works out. Like some things you just shouldn't go out and do. Uh, but with like trying to pivot to the Titans and saying like, okay, you know, if one of these things has been napping for a few million years in Wyoming and we decide, you know, okay, is it, you know, endangered or not? Well, you know, I think from, from what you described, somebody could find out that yes, it is, uh, you know, it's rare. You know, and if it's the only one of its kind and, you know, it sleeps in Wyoming, yeah, I mean, like, it, it could be endangered. Uh, but to you know, say, like, okay, we're going to order a tactical nuclear strike to put it down, 
that seems problematic <laughs> from, from a fallout sense and the thing's not hurting anybody. So it's like a proactive step that I think would be comparable to like putting down you know, hibernating bears. Uh, what's, what's your take on it? I think you're probably right. I think you let, let them be. Um, I think that, um, you know, there's a lot, of, I've read all those, the bear case law as well. So it seems to be a lot of people trying to protect their, um, their pets or chickens or their horses and they're afraid that the bear is going to attack and so they'll shoot and they'll say, oh, self-defense that they're coming after my family. There's a lot of that. Um, but I agree, hibernating, let them be. Um, you know, technically, if you really want to off a Titan who's hibernating, wake them up. Uh, at that point, you will be in imminent or immediate danger. And then, you know, you get out your oxygen uh, blaster. But before that, I think, um, I think you probably are going to violate the Endangered Species Act. Yeah, which, is, which is one of the reasons, you know, the, the end news clip scenes that they were showing made it sound like seeing a Titan in the wild sounded more like whale watching that you know like a cruise ship saw Godzilla swim by it's like oh wow that was kind of cool like it's like if you don't poke at the creature you know again don't try riding it don't don't be stupid uh like they'll leave people alone which is similar to what like a lot of animals do like if you don't enter its domain and you know aggravate it you'll be fine. So I, th I think that's also one of the, the takeaways uh, and, and also how it could be similar to you know, any creature on the endangered species list of don't poke at it, <laughs> like, don't, don't upset it. I'm um, stuck on the idea of the Godzilla cruise. I think I would be, uh, I'd be game for that. That actually does sound kind of fun. I mean, and see Rodan go, well, Rodan flying around could be dangerous, but you know, if Mothra was hanging out, that could be kind of fun to, Right. Yeah. Or the, the behemoth, the mammoth uh, primate looking one. That looks super cool. I would love that action figure if they have one. Um, now, like you, you did homework getting into Godzilla and, and prep for a panel. Uh, and, you, you know, you went to the movie. Did, did your kids go with you? They did. They loved it. Good. They loved it. And I'm, I'd like to thank you. I now cannot sit through a Godzilla movie or a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie without <laughs> analyzing every legal issue that might come up. So thanks for that. Yeah, I'd, um, I'm glad to help. Uh, I'm sure that will make dinnertime discussion a lot more interesting. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's how I see the world. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a lot of fun uh, at Comic-Con. And, and just before we go, you know, this, this very quick question. So we have the terrorists weaponize kaiju with the orca device and talking to them. Uh, do you think that would violate the Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act and turning these beasts into weapons? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. In my understanding of that act, um, is that there are um, three things that you need to prosecute somebody under BOWATA, as some people call it, the Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989. Um, one, it's illegal to do a long list of verbs, including develop, produce, stockpile, transfer, acquire, retain, or possess. So that's the verb list. Uh, two, any biological agent, toxin, or delivery system, so basically any biology, 
and three for uses of weapon. So basically you can't use biology as a weapon um, is, is the law. Um, and if you do, you get up to life in prison. Um, interestingly, the act does not include the verbs that were maybe applicable here, which is to awaken biology or provoke or unfreeze or communicate with bioacoustics, right? So that's not in the statute. Arguably, this does fit into the statute. There are uh, There is an attempt to use the Titans as a weapon. Um, and uh, interestingly, agent under the statute is defined as any biological product capable of causing death, disease, or other biological malfunction in a human. So I think Titans are capable of causing biological malfunctions in a human. And um, interestingly, the statute um, does not include, um, use of a weapon does not include if you're using it for protective or other peaceful purpose. So I think if you ask Dr. Emma Russell or Alan Jonah, they'll say, look, we're using the Titans to save the world. We're trying to save the earth here, you know, so we can't be prosecuted under the statute. So I don't know, you know, yes, I would say to my former prosecutor friends, I think you can prosecute these folks for um, Bawata violations. Um, as we know now, Dr. Emma Russell did already receive a life sentence in the middle of Fenway Park. <laughs> and uh, Alan Jonah, on the other hand, I say we prosecute him. Well, that and, you know, with the post credit scene of, you know, getting, you know, Kevin's head and, you know, depending on what they do with that, when we see uh, uh, Kong versus Godzilla, it might fit under the, the statute at that point in time if they've created something from uh, you know, uh, King Ghidorah's DNA. So that could be, uh, I think, stay tuned uh, is probably a good way to look at this. I think maybe that's San Diego Comic-Con 2020. Uh, can't wait. Can't wait. Well, Your Honor, this, this was a, a preview of what we can talk about in San Diego. Really appreciate your time. And again, for those who want to see us in San Diego, uh, that's going to be on July 20th uh, at 7.30 p.m., moderated by uh, my good friend Matt Weinhold from the Monster Party podcast. And, you know, tune in to, to see Judge Beckerman, Monty Cooper, Bethany uh, Bengford, and myself, and we're going to have a rip-roaring good time. So thank you all, and see you in San Diego. <laughs>